John chapter 14, starting at verse 15. Jesus is talking with his friends over an evening meal. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commandments and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, uh, not not, uh, Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe I will not speak with you much longer, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. This is the word of the Lord.
Father, would you give us uh, ears to hear you, hearts that are open to you, and a willingness to respond in obedience to you. Would you plant your word deep in our hearts, that when the storms of life come, uh, we might be those who stand firm. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what is it that we need to know after a week like this? What is it that I would love the Saunders family to know in their grief? What is it that Grace's Sunday school leaders need to know right now? What are the truths that Henry will need to hold on to in the years ahead? They're questions that I've mulled over this week reeling from the news about grace, I've reminded myself again and again that although I may not understand it, I may not like it, that God is sovereign over us. Today we're in a passage where Jesus is already planning for his absence. He had time to prepare his friends for his going. And so his last words, this kind of final speech, if you like, sorry, Uh, is really important. We need to note what he says to his friends as he prepared to leave them. We started um, last week on a new series looking at the Holy Spirit, who he is and what he does. But when you come to a week like this, face to face with the seeming injustice of, of life and death, any series, any plan seems to go out of the window. But we're staying with this passage because the question Jesus is preparing his disciples for is a question that we ask today. Where are you, Lord? Where are you? In this situation and many others we face, that's the real question, isn't it? At this point in the Gospel of John, they've known the physical presence of Jesus with them for about three years. And he'd begun to talk about going away. He'd begun to talk about betrayal. And it's into these fears and insecurities, and our fears and our insecurities, that Jesus speaks. So, what do we learn? Well, I'm really sorry. I can't get away from the alliteration and three points. So, I'm afraid these kind of fell out of the passage, but I want to look at God's presence, his peace, and his purpose. First of all, God's people will know his presence. God's people will know his presence. Just look at verse 18. I won't leave you as orphans. Isn't that great news for when we feel bereft and empty, when life seems to make no sense? Jesus says, I'm not leaving you like children who are stripped of their parents, left to face a hostile, angry world. I will not leave you as orphans. God's people will know his presence in whatever the new normal looks like. There's a new normal for us as a church without grace. There will be a new normal for the Saunders family. There's a new normal for Jesus' disciples. 
And Jesus promises, I will not leave you as orphans. In your new normal, whatever that may be, God's people will know my presence, says Jesus. Judas asks a question, verse 22. Why are you going to show yourself to us and not the whole world? Are you Lord of the few? Are you just Lord of this group of friends that have met with you over the years? Or or are you really Lord of the whole world? Is this way of life, this new kingdom that you talk about, just for the in-group, the inner sanctum? Or are you Lord over the whole earth, over every situation, however bleak it might seem? Well, God's people know his presence. Verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. Loving Jesus is not about a grand declaration of devotion, nor is it about singing favorite choruses or hymns. Loving him is about obeying him. Everything in this chapter points to a legacy that Jesus is going to give, a legacy of his presence. He's not going to leave us as orphans because he's going to leave us a helper, his spirit. But there's a condition. If you love me, you will obey my teaching. So if you're sitting there today and you're struggling with no assurance of the love of Jesus, no assurance of his presence, the first thing we need to do is to check whether we're hearing him and obeying him. That we're seeking to love God with all our heart, mind, soul and strength and to love our neighbours as ourselves. And that when we fail, that our, that our place of comfort and forgiveness and restoration is not in some bar of chocolate or in working our body extra hard at the gym or diving back into the workplace. But when we fail, we go back to the grace of Jesus, his deep love for us, one on the cross. Go back to to square one, to the day when you declared him as your first love and learn what it is to say, I love you, Jesus. Now, some of you might be sitting there saying, well, that's just for the keenies. I'm just an ordinary Christian. No, you're not. No, you're not. There's no such thing as an ordinary Christian. Any Christian is an extraordinary person because we have the supernatural presence of Jesus in our hearts, the Holy Spirit living in us. Jesus isn't talking about some memory of him. He doesn't promise that he's going to live on in the disciples' memories. Nor does he promise that those that have died in Christ will only live in our memories. Look at what he says. Verse 15, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. There it is again, love and obedience hand in hand. But he goes on, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. He will give you another counselor, someone who draws alongside to help, to be with you forever. Jesus has been with his friends for three years. He's going, but he's going to send literally one just like the first. The first counsel is Jesus. The second is the Spirit. The Spirit of truth will replace the one who said, I am the truth. 
Now, I don't know about you, but you might be thinking, well, if only Jesus was here. Has that gone through your mind at any point? Wouldn't it be great if Jesus was here right now? Then everything would be fine. But don't you see that the only way that we can get a look in is the only way that he can be present with us forever. I mean, imagine if Jesus was right here with us right now. Probably guessing he'd be somewhere in the Middle East. Perhaps in order to make things possible, he'd set up some kind of call center to deal with the many requests and the, and the heavy burdens that we carry. And, and, and if you're in that place, you might eventually get round to calling Jesus. You dial the number, you get through. I'm sorry, but uh, Jesus is extremely busy and can't be with you right now. Please press 1 if you're anxious or stressed. Press 2 if you want guidance for marriage or your career. Press 3 if you need reassurance. And if you want a one-to-one with Jesus, then press 4. Well, you've got nothing to lose at this point, so you take the plunge and you press 4. There's a short delay as you're patched through to somebody else. I'm sorry to keep you waiting. We're experiencing a heavy volume of calls just now. Your call is important to Jesus. You can leave a message after the tone or please call back later and try again. No. No. God's children know his presence. Isn't that amazing? He's here with us. And verse 23 reinforces it. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Our home. God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit makes his home with him. That's in us. Now, if God belongs anywhere on earth, surely it's going to be in the most marvelous temple or cathedral. Yet God Almighty is at home in a human body. We know that because of the incarnation, don't we? But this goes further still. God Almighty makes his home in me, in you. He makes his home in the sinful yet forgiven disciple. Now, if we really came to terms with that, if we got hold of that, what would it do to our weeks? If every time we drank a cup of tea or we opened up the computer or we logged into Facebook, we remembered that Father, Son and Spirit makes their home in me. God is not absent. Not in the mountaintop of our joy, nor in the depth of our despair. He's given us one who draws alongside to help. So verse 25, I've spoken this while I'm still with you, but the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Teaching all things, reminding you of everything. Now clearly that's a promise to these particular friends, these disciples. We need telling, don't we? Not reminding. We've not heard Jesus. But doesn't this fill you with confidence? For these great men and women of faith had the Holy Spirit reminding them, teaching them, 
It wasn't until after Jesus' death and resurrection that they really began to understand because the spirit of truth was doing his work, teaching and reminding. And that's good news for us today. It's good news for you as you open your Bibles this week. Because what is it that you expect? Holy Spirit, teach me, remind me this day. We are not alone. God's children know his presence. Secondly, God's children will know his peace. I hope you heard that verse read because we need to hear this again and again. Just close your eyes for a minute and hear this verse read. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. What better verse to meditate on and chew over as we take on sad news, as we face our own pressures and stresses, our anxiety, our career decisions, our relationship breakdowns. What better verse to chew on when we look for forgiveness and a new start, when we seek assurance that we're his. The peace of Christ that is given to us. Given to us not as the world gives, but given as the special gift of Christ. One on the cross, uniquely his to give. Today, if you want to know peace, turn again to Christ. Say sorry for your polluted life and your contribution to this polluted world. Give thanks for his rescue and receive the counsel of the helper and receive his peace. That's the invitation for us. Because this promise is not just for the disciples then, it's for all his followers now and for eternity. Don't be afraid. Peace I give you. So when Jesus goes away and the Spirit comes, God's people will know his presence and his peace. And finally, the world will know his purpose. His purpose, verse 28, is that he's going to be with the Father. And that's greater glory than we can imagine. He tells his disciples that this at this point so that when it does happen, When he goes away, they will believe. It's as though he's saying, you can't take it all in now. There's too much going on. Your emotions are all over the place. You're wondering what this all means. But I'm giving you the tools to understand. I'm giving you what you're going to need in the future. So verse 30 and 31. The world must learn why Jesus went as he did. Why did Jesus die? Why did he die? I think our automatic response is because he loved us. Because he loves us. Because he loved the world. And we sing about that, don't we? It was my sin that held him there. And that's absolutely true. It's just not the answer that Jesus gives here. Take a look. What answer does Jesus give? 
Why is he going? Verse 31, the world must learn that I love the Father and I do exactly what the Father commands. How do I love the Father? Jesus says, I do what he commands. Just as if you love me, you'll do what I command. And I will do what the Father commands, says Jesus, even if it means the agony of the cross. Friends, don't miss this. Miss this and you miss God's plans and purposes for the world. The Son did what the Father commanded. The Son was obedient even to death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place. The cross is not an accident with Jesus as some victim. The cross is not defeat. The cross is not the tragedy it seems. It's not an accident in any way. But it's Jesus' greatest achievement. Our disobedience rescued by his obedience. Our way into eternity with Christ forever. How does the Father love the world? Well, you know the verse. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. How does the Son love the world? Well, he obeys the Father. He went to the cross. How does the Spirit love the world? Well, he draws alongside us. He helps us, assuring, him, assuring us of his presence and peace so that we might know the purpose of God. So how do we love the world and how do we love God? Well, I think we tell the world in the midst of pain and sorrow, joy or happiness, in the midst of success or failure, that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he will return to make all things new. That there'll be a day when sorrow and sickness and sin and mourning will pass away. And in the meantime, as we wait for that day, he is with us by his spirit and he will never leave us Because nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Loving Father, as your children as heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. We um, come before you this morning and we ask Holy Spirit that you would fill us again that we might know your presence, the one who never leaves us, who walks with us, that we would know your peace Because life is tough and it's full of anxiety and stress. 
Because sometimes we question you. Come and bring your peace in our hearts, we pray. And Holy Spirit, would you remind us of your purpose for this world? Thank you that you love the world. Thank you, Jesus, that you're obedient to the Father. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are with us, assuring us, and reminding us of your purpose. Be with us this day and this week that we might glorify and honor you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.